Uh, Today's text is this passage of Scripture from Luke's Gospel, the 17th chapter, verses 11 through 19. And I'll also be referencing uh, the procession into Jerusalem that Jesus made on the week before he was crucified. And today's title of the sermon is Open-Ended. Open-Ended. I have a question that I'd like to begin with this morning. Uh, This past week as I was working on the sermon, I was thinking about the question, what would we do if we came into a large sum of money? Maybe you've sold a piece of property. Uh, Maybe you sold your business. Maybe you sold some stock. Uh, Maybe you received a great family inheritance. Uh, Maybe you came into a large sum of money just from good, honest, hard work. And knowing some of you like I do, maybe you come into a large sum of money because you played the lottery and you won. But what would you do if you came into a large sum of money? I began to post that question to people throughout the past week and got some pretty interesting responses. One person said that if I came into a large sum of money, the first thing I would do, I would pay off all of my student loans, and then with the money I had left over, I'd buy a pack of bubble gum. Somebody else said, well, if I came into a large sum of money, at first I wouldn't tell anybody about it. I would go around and I would ask my friends who have a little money if they would give me some. And if they said no, then that would make it easier for me when they found out that I've got a lot of money and they want some of mine to say no as well. Someone said, if I had a large sum of money, I would hire Morgan Freeman to walk around behind me and narrate my life. (laughs) And I don't have a good Morgan Freeman impersonation, but it would go something like this. There's Jim Clardy. He's listening to Tommy Ward preach. But he's really thinking about what kind of sandwich he's going to eat after church. You know, if um, somebody else said, if I had a large sum of money, I wouldn't hire Morgan Freeman. I would hire Samuel L. Jackson to walk around behind me saying, what's in your wallet? And I'd say, a whole lot of cash. (laughs) Well, if it were me, if I came into a large sum of money, I think I would hire Molly Gilliland to come along with her bass guitar and play that Seinfeld riff that's so famous in the show every time I have a funny sermon. Yeah, that's what I would do. I'd probably have to get her to shorten it after a while, but you know what I'm saying. Well, there were some uh, more serious responses to the question as well. One person said, I find really a meaningful purpose in what I do as a profession, and so I wouldn't want to give that up if uh, I were to come into a large sum of money. In fact, I think I would take that money and I would pour it into my profession so that I could have a more lasting impact. And somebody else said, well, as much fun as it would be to have a lot of money and to be able to spend it on stuff, 
Probably what would bring me more ultimate long-term joy and happiness if I were to, would be if I were to give that money away. And so I, I would probably do something like every time I saw an f- individual or a family praying in a restaurant before they eat, I'd just pick up the tab for their meal. And maybe, maybe I would, in this day and age, in this particular time, maybe I would just hang out at gas pumps and just randomly bless others by filling up their tank with $150 worth of gas and taking care of it all by myself. Maybe that's what I would do. Someone else even said this past week, and they're here this morning, they said, if I were to come into a lot of money, the first thing I would do is that I would pay off the church's mortgage payment here at St. Mark's so that the $9,000 a month that we pay towards paying down that mortgage uh, could be spent in other meaningful ministries. And so, uh, just in case you come into a large sum of money, we owe just less than a million dollars. I'd love to talk to you after the service. There are all sorts of things that we might do if we came into a large sum of money. You may be wondering, why in the world are you asking this question? What does this question have to do with the text that we're reading, that we heard read this morning? And, and then maybe some of you are already ahead of me a little bit. and You said, I, I got it figured out. You're trying to say that if anyone here were to come into a large sum of money, that they should do sort of what the one leper did of the ten that were healed by Jesus, and we should express gratitude and give thanks to God. That's what you're saying, Tommy. And that would be an appropriate way to interpret this text. It would be one way for us to have a good take-home is that whenever the Lord blesses you in some way, whether it be to give you a large sum of money or in any other way, just like the leper that was healed that went back, we should express gratitude and thanksgiving to God. That would be a great interpretation of the text. Now, another interpretation of the text would not be to focus on what the Samaritan did in the story, that one leper who came back and expressed thanks and praise to God, but instead would be to focus on what Jesus did in the text. You might remember that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He's somewhere in the area between the border of Galilee and Samaria. And all of a sudden we're told that he sees ten lepers. And this is when it's a great thing to have uh, somebody who's excellent at the Greek language like Dr. Clardy over here because the word that is translated see in the passage of Scripture this morning obviously means to see or to notice but, but scholars, Greek scholars believe that it's even, it's even more than just being able to see. That this word translated see actually means to really notice uh, someone in the depths of their being. To know what it is that they really need. To know who it is that these people really are. It's, it's to perceive an opportunity for mercy. And so we're told here that when Jesus sees these ten lepers, it's not just that he notices them. Jesus truly understands what it is that they need the most. And so that's what Jesus does here. And since after Jesus sees them, that he tells them to go and to show themselves to the priest. It's as if Jesus is already... um, 
treating them as if they have been healed. And they're supposed to go and show themselves to the priests so that they could be certified as becoming clean and so that they could return to their communities in accordance with the Levitical law. And it says that as they went, that they were healed of their leprosy. And and so Jesus here is saying to them, uh, go and show yourselves to the priest. And um, another thing that happens here is one person comes back to say thanks, and Jesus says to that person, get up, go, and your faith has made you well. Now again, this is where it would be really helpful to be a Greek scholar because the word that is translated well there is sozo. And the word sozo has multiple meanings as well. On one hand, it means, well, it means well. But on the other hand, it means to save, to save. And so what Jesus is doing here, he's already healed this man as well as the other nine lepers. But this one particular man who came back has not only been healed, he has now been saved. And and that salvation language throughout the verses of Scripture principally relates to being rescued from the penalty and the power of sin. So Jesus has healed all ten, but this one particular man has already been saved as well. Then there's a third approach that we might take to interpreting this text. Not focusing on what the Samaritan leper did, and and not focusing on what Jesus did, but focusing instead on what those nine other lepers did. That's why I asked the question at the beginning of the sermon, what would you do if you came into a large sum of money? Because chances are, if we ask everybody in this room what you would do, we would all come up with different things that we would do with that money. Is it not also possible then that these nine lepers when they have made their way to the priest, that they too might have come up with lots of different responses to the blessing that they had just received. I mean, it's pretty clear that they're unified on some level. First of all, they're unified in that all of these lepers have separated themselves from the community. That is because of the Levitical law. Leprosy, you were considered unclean. You could not be around others who did not have leprosy for fear that you would give leprosy to them. And so, there's no doubt about it. In some ways, they were united. They were all separated from their community. Luke also tells us that all of these lepers, including the one Samaritan to return, were also united in saying, Lord, have mercy. Now, sometimes we hear that phrase, especially here in the South, a lot, and we don't ever stop to think about what it means, like, have mercy. Well, what does that really mean, Lord, have mercy on us? Mercy means don't be fair. Mercy means don't give me what I deserve. Mercy means, in the context of this story, don't let law 
outweigh love. All of these ten lepers, including the one that came back, said, Lord, have mercy on me. And then we're told that Jesus sends the nine lepers away. We're never told what happens next. We don't know if they make it to the priest to be certified as clean. We don't know that if they all went together or that they arrived at different times. We don't know that if the reason they didn't say thank you to God like the one leper did immediately is because they were so focused on doing what Jesus had directed them to do that that was the only thing on their mind. We don't know if, in fact, maybe later after they went to the priest, did they come back at that point and say thank you to Jesus? Or perhaps did they come back to say thank you to Jesus and he'd moved on to another neighborhood or another town and they never got their opportunity to say thank you to Jesus? Uh, maybe they went around the rest of their days telling everyone else what Jesus had done for them. Maybe some of them didn't say anything at all. Maybe some of them waited to say thank you to Jesus because they wanted to make sure that in fact they really had been healed. They needed that proof, that assurance from the priest. Maybe there were some who didn't say thank you to Jesus because for some of the reasons why I've heard that people don't like to tip. Why should I tip you for doing your job? And maybe that was some of the thought that they had about Jesus. Why should I express gratitude to you for doing something that you're supposed to do anyway? Maybe some of them didn't thank Jesus because they decided, well, I really am responsible for this healing because I'm the one who asked for mercy. If I hadn't have asked for mercy, maybe I wouldn't have been healed. We don't know what these nine lepers did when they left Jesus' presence. We know that they were on their way to show themselves to the priest. But I think Luke purposely leaves this story open-ended because it describes our life of faith as well. Whenever the Lord has spoken to us, whenever the Lord has done something for us, it's open-ended. We get to decide how we respond. And there are some responses that are more appropriate than others. And there are some responses that take priority over others. But ultimately, when God does something to us or for us, each one of us as disciples and followers of Jesus get to choose how will we respond. And that's the question that we've been reflecting on throughout the season of Lent. Lent is a reminder to us that we are fragile human beings, that we were created from the dust and we will return to lust. Life is short. Lent is a reminder to us about how easily and how quickly we can turn away from God 
And Lent is an opportunity for us to be mindful of the lengths that God went to in order to be in relationship with us, in order to save us, in order to communicate God's love to us. And Lent is a wonderful season of the year for us to pause and consider how will we respond. On that triumphal day that Jesus entered in Jerusalem for the last time, there were some who shouted hosannas. Woohoo! Yay, God! And there were other voices that chose to respond by saying, Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. The invitation today is to give thought to what God has done in your life. How God has blessed you. And to consider how will you respond. Amen.